Welcome to the Wilds Cast. Today's guest is Edi Deutsch. She is the Israeli national champion in the marathon and half marathon. As a mother of five young children, she has learned to apply her training to the real marathon of life. She took up running just four years ago and recently went pro with the goal of qualifying for Tokyo 2020 and representing Israel in the Olympics. More than anything else, her journey has empowered her to dream big and keep pushing a message that she is passionate about sharing with other women. We are live. Welcome to the Wildscast MGE's podcast. I have a very, very special uh, guest with us uh, this afternoon. Um, and please correct me if I'm mispronouncing your name, even though I asked it before. BD Deutsch. Perfect. You got Perfect. it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so BD Deutsch is, she's just an amazing person. She's a champion marathon runner. She won the 2018 half marathon, 2019 marathon, the Tiberius Marathon, Beit Shan Half Marathon, 2019 Tel Aviv Half Marathon. I'm not going to go on. There's a lot more. <laughs> is that Those are all true, right? And the silver medal in some other races you got? Yeah, I've been the Israel national champion for the past two years. Ooh. So 2020 also, before Corona. And yeah, I've won, I've won a lot of races. I've won the Jerusalem Marathon. Um, and I am currently training for the Berlin Marathon, my first world major. Wow. And and you're you're training for the Berlin Marathon. When is the Berlin Marathon? So it's actually a crazy date. It's September 26th, oh which, God. thank God, does not fall out on any holidays. But it's the day before Hoshana Rabbah. So I will be in and out of Berlin and right back to Sukkot with my family in Israel <laughs> immediately oh. after the race. That is incredible. So as you can hear... Abidi is a proud and observant Jewess who, uh, um, one of the things that she's known for is maintaining her modest dress, even while she's running. Um, she began running, this is what I have in my notes here, at the age of 25, with a skirt and a long sleeve top and head covering. And you are, Abidi, a tremendous Kiddush Hashem, just sanctifying Hashem's name, inspiring lots of women and men around the world who see you as a great example of a professional athlete who sticks to her faith. Um, Vidi has a master's degree in counseling from Northwestern, and she's also a black belt in Taekwondo. Whoa, that's pretty impressive. She made Aliyah in 2008 and now lives in Yerushalayim in the holy city of Jerusalem with her husband, Michael, and five children. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I love the name of your podcast, The Wildcast. <laughs> Do things get pretty wild here? Yeah, things get a little out of hand. You'll, <laughs> you'll see. I mean, it was either that or welcome to the wild side. I was, you know, going back and forth. Of that. Both good. So tell us, when did you know you were good enough to be a runner? I, I ran on the Yeshiva University track team, which obviously is almost impossible to get on. Yes. Um, I ran in college, but like, it's a serious thing. And you've won a crazy number of marathons. When did you know that this was, you know, this was your thing? You know, people love to ask me that. And the funny thing is, like, I, I don't say there, I don't think there was, like, one moment where I knew. I think after my first marathon where after four, I hadn't exercised in six years and I basically decided to run a marathon and I gave myself four months to train for it. So when I ran that first marathon in three hours and 27 minutes, I knew I was a good runner, but 
there's a difference between like a good amateur runner and being an elite athlete. And after that race, I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined that I'd be training to run a 229-30 marathon. Like that wasn't anywhere in the picture. I never thought I'd be a professional athlete. So I think I only realized my potential and even not the full extent of it when I first won the Israel National Championship Marathon in 2019. That's when I realized I could actually take it to the next level. And when you say, just forgive my, influ my <laughs> influence, my ignorance. So when you say you ran the marathon, the first race that you ran in 327, three hours, 27 minutes, how, how long is a marathon? Marathon is 26.2 miles. Okay. Every marathon's the same. And um, what typically- that for me? What, what are you running? What are you running a minute now? Well, in that race, I had to run an eight minute mile. Mm -hmm. And I only even tried to go for that goal because my husband actually basically told me like, he's like, you don't want to just cross the finish line. You want to know you got the best possible time you could. And I remember being so insulted because to me, finishing a marathon was such a huge deal. Like I didn't want to do anything more than just cross the finish line, but only because he really encouraged me. And this is something I'm so passionate about sharing is like, he pushed me to step out of my comfort zone and take a risk and do something that I didn't know I was gonna be able to do. And that taught me like one of the greatest lessons running has given me, which is just like, we have so much more strength within us than we even realize, you know? Wow. And um, I have ne I never looked back since that race. I had an exercise, literally did not exercise for six years. And from when I started my first marathon, I pretty much like, barely go a day without running besides for the month I took off after I gave birth to my fifth child. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, and, and how, <laughs> how much do you run every day? Approximately? Okay. I am a professional runner now. So like no one should compare the amount I run now to themselves. Cause I run a, an extreme amount. I run close between 110, 115 miles a week. Oh so that typically comes out to like 17 miles a day. I usually do two runs a day. Whoa. And and how do you how do you juggle that with mommyhood, with everything else going on in your life? <laughs> I honestly find that professional running is such a great career for a mother because you can't train all day. It's very flexible. Oh. Um, there was a period in my life where I was training seriously. I was working full time and I had five kids and I really have no idea how I did it. But I do always say, if you want something badly enough, you'll find a way. So you just have to figure out what's your priority and everything else revolves around those priorities and be very clear about your schedule. Like get off social media and Netflix if you want to get things done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a great line we should quote. Get off social media and Netflix if you want to get things done. All right, guys hear that. Um, and did you ever think that being an observant Jew would hold you back or is it just the opposite? Does that pump you? I'm curious about the relationship between your religious observance and your running. Is it that like the religious observance like gives you passion to run or is it the running pumps you up religiously or is it a little combination? <laughs> That's such a good question and it's such a complex like topic because there are so many avenues to explore with it. So. Definitely, I see both of the sides of those things. Like, I see 
being a religious Jew gives me an advantage in my mindset. I go into a race, I'm not worried. I have no stress or anxiety because I put complete faith in God. Like I know that if I did my Hishtad Lu, if I put in my effort and trained to the max as a physical human being, then the rest is on in God's hands and I don't have to worry. Um, so my faith helps me there. But then I also find that the whole pursuit of running, it pushes you to strive for excellence and to constantly seek more from yourself. And that spills over into every aspect of my life. And it forces me, if I'm training so hard physically, I want to work on myself spiritually also. So I'm constantly striving for to get the best out of myself as a runner. And I want to do that as a human. So I think that to me, running is such a spiritual tool. Like it's really, like I view exercise and working out as an essential part of what it means to be a religious Jew. But I think that when you grow up in the Orthodox Jewish world, there's almost like this um, fear of sports. Like, oh no, sports is not a thing for like a Jewish girl. Like, you know, no one makes a career out of professional sport. I didn't know, I don't know anyone who's a, I don't know any other religious moms who are professional athletes. I didn't know any growing up. Um, and it was like, okay, like sports players, that's not what Jews do. But I think that when you have the right balance and you understand who was really giving your strength, and, you know, you keep your priorities and values straight that having a career in sport is definitely something compatible with being a religious woman. Beautiful. Wow. There was so much to unpack there. So I want to go back to the first thing you said in your answer. That was an amazing response. The first thing you said was you do your hishtad lut, you put your best foot forward. Sorry to use the pun. And, you know, you, you, you're, it's human initiative. That's what the lihishtadel means, to try. And then it's like, you know you did your best. The rest of it is Hashem's hands. I've said that to my students for years. It's one of the great benefits of being a person of faith, that you believe that, that there's some other force at play in this world. And as long as you do your best, whatever, the rest is really not in your hands. So, so why worry over it? I just thought that's a very powerful idea. And you see that in running, apparently. Yeah, all the time. I mean, I have experienced it to the extreme of even when things, like I've had really important races and they didn't necessarily work out the way I envisioned, but it really drove home that lesson for me. Because if I know that I put in the best possible effort I could, I did everything I could, then I can't ask anything more of myself because the results are not in my hands. Mm. And just because I met failure at that on that day doesn't define me as a failure and doesn't mean I shouldn't keep trying. And so I think that I think being a person of faith, you have to remember you can't just throw everything on faith. Like our job as humans in this world is to put in the maximum physical effort. But the par the paradoxical part of it is that you have to know that it's not your efforts that are giving the outcome. It's in God, the outcome is in God's hands. It's not up to us. I'm just curious, Bidi, were you raised in an observant home? Is this something you found on your own? What's your background? I'm curious. I was raised in a completely observant home. My parents, though, became religious when I was a baby. They did not grow up Orthodox, but I grew up actually like super religious, like went to the most religious seminary in Israel that you could go to. <laughs> um, I actually lived in Beitar in Israel for a couple years also, 
Whoa. I feel very comfortable in ultra orthodox communities. My 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 views are a little bit different than some some of my fellow uh, community members, but I've always been an open minded person. I just like to take you know to I could fit in in pretty much anywhere. And did you get support from? You know, like you mentioned before about a, a religious woman running. I mean, I, I think it's unbelievable, especially the fact that you have figured out a way of doing it without compromising on sneut on modesty. But did you get support? I know you got a lot of support from your husband, which is amazing. Um, did that also come from the religious community or not so much? I surround myself with mentors and community people who support what I'm doing. But, you know, whenever you're paving a new path, especially in the ultra-Orthodox world, you're going to be met with resistance because we're almost like resistant to change. And they're not every part of the community fully understands what I'm doing or accepts it. And I, I under I can respect that. Like I'm very respectful to not run in areas that like when I lived in Jerusalem and Harnof, it wasn't so accepted to run in the community. So I find other places to run. Like it doesn't bother me, but I had my own rabbi from my community who, I ask all, he's still my Rav and mentor, and I ask all my questions too. And he really, really encouraged me to pursue this as a career. So I did. <laughs> and, and if someone were to ask you, you touched on this before, working out, being athletic, being healthy, why is that such a religious imperative? Why do you think that's part of being a religious Jew? I mean, I actually just like gave a five minute little video on this, but I think there are a f several things. First of all, we have a commandment as Jews, it doesn't just say guard your body, it says like very much, like guard your health with everything you can do. So it's a clear mandate in the Torah that as observant Jews, we need to take care of our health, which means exercising. Now, you don't need to exercise to the extreme, but you need to work out daily, like the recommended amount of exercise. That's part of your, again, physical to take care of yourself, your efforts. I, I, But then I think it goes beyond that. I think it's the understanding that, you know, we're a body and a soul and they need to work together. And I think that, um, so first of all, we're taking care of our body so that our soul can perform all the soul, like mitzvot and commandments, but we can't, they can't exist one without the other. And then it's like the mindset work that comes along with when you learn to push yourself physically past your limitations, past what you perceive possible, then you can do that on a spiritual level also. So when you're physically working out in the gym and you're building those muscles, what you're actually training yourself to do is to push past discomfort. And that allows you in your own life to work on the greatest work we do every single day is working on our character traits. That's how we become more spiritual people. That's how we grow. That's how we get closer to God. You can only do that when you're so in tune with your mind that you know how to overcome those difficult points. So I find that exercise is really a tool for spiritual growth. Wow. So beautifully said. And, and so it's, it's sort of like a paradigm. Uh, it's a model pushing through persistence keeping on building yourself, developing yourself. It's not just a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. Yes, and, exactly. Um, and, you know, you mentioned also about, um, why do you think that is that, um, I mean, why are you such an anomaly? Why? I mean, I understand that you, you're a really great athlete, you run very fast and long and hard, so not everyone's like that, but 
Why is it that there isn't more? I grew up in the Orthodox community also. I grew up in a little more of the modern Orthodox world where, you know, sports was pretty much encouraged. You know, working out is pretty positive, but it's not like it's such, and, and, and I guess the more, I guess, yeshivish or ultra-Orthodox you get, the more it's not frowned on, but you don't see it as much. You know, you just don't see people as fit as, now a lot more in the last 20 years, I would say, than when I grew up. Yes. Um, you know, I, I used to go, it was a period of time I, 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 when I was in college, I used to go to the mikvah every Erev Shabbos. And, you know, you don't, you don't get the sense that your, your brothers are really taking care of their bodies. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like the focus is on the soul and spirituality and don't, you know, and then you go to these kiddishes and MG is a little guilty of it too. You know, I just, I just wrote a little thing advertising our great hot kiddish. <laughs> So this stuff is healthy, but a lot of it is not so healthy. What, why do you think? I mean, it says it explicitly in the Torah. You said it beautifully. So why, why do you think we're not more athletic, more physical minded in order to protect the body? I think about it a lot, a lot of things that you said. But I think that a big reason is people are scared of getting sucked in to the physical world. Like I've had this question asked, like, you know, oh, once you start getting into exercise, it takes over your life. And as with anything, there's good and bad. And, you know, some. so you just have to be able to find that balance. Like exercise solely for the pursuit of physical development, I would say, is not is not the greatest thing. You have to, it has to be properly balanced in your life. But I also think that, like, there's been made huge strides. If we talk about women in sport, I think across the board, not, not just related to the orthodox community but there's a lack of women in sport in israel altogether like there i'm i'm really the only female distance runner in israel professional aside from a woman from kenya really so wow. it's like something that if women don't see other women doing it they don't realize they can do it as mothers that they can make a career out of it that there's something so hopefully we're paving the path for a new generation of women in sport and i definitely believe that we're going to see coming out of the, especially modern Orthodox communities, more women that choose to pursue this, but it just takes time. And, and also girls are scared to like do things that are different. And mm -hmm. for some reason, it's like the nice, normal religious girl jobs is like, I don't know, you know, occupational therapy, physical therapy. Yeah, And then, or then, <laughs> and then there's so much focus on like the make makeup artist, hair artist, and like fashion as if those are the only things girls want to do. So hopefully we're broadening our, broadening our horizons and, you know, I, 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 that's I, part I, of why I'm passionate about what I do. <laughs> I, I think it's so healthy. I have a 17-year-old daughter and she's, thank God, we play tennis. Um, she's, you know, but that, I think what you, and she's in the modern Orthodox world. I'm not living in, in, in you know, I live on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. She's, um, it's fine that the culture you know, the, even when they go off to Israel for their year in Israel, you know, um, that you just there isn't this culture of, of being active and athletic, even within our, you know, more modern you know, world a little. But it but there are pockets of, of change that I see happening at the same time. So I you're an amazing role model. You should continue to push that because it's so healthy. And, and as you said before, it has to be balanced because I guess in parts of the secular world where the body's like worship. Right. Locality is like taken to an extreme. 
obviously we're doing this to be, you know, to grow ourselves as a total wholesome person, not just the, the body part, but also the soul. That, you said. Yes. So um, how I have a very technical question. How on earth do you run so many miles? Here's the thing. I ran five miles in college. I did cross country. And we had to do all this. I had to listen. I used to, this before, like all this stuff on the phones now, I used to tape TV shows. Okay. <laughs> I'm so bored. I'm like, what are you thinking about? Are you listening to music? Are you listening to Shiram? Do you hear the sounds of your breath? Like, like breathing? Does that psych you out? What's going through your head when you're running? So I don't listen to a lot when I run. I really prefer running with almost nothing in my ears. And especially when I'm doing a workout, I'll never listen to anything. In Israel, like on my regular routes, I usually listen to Jewish classes like Shiorim or parenting classes that I finished like many, many lecture series just through runs. But I find like as a mom, like I just want downtime. Like I don't want, I don't want to hear anyone. I just want to be alone with my thoughts. There's a lot to process. I find it a very good opportunity to express my gratitude to God for like everything he's given me to appreciate the world around me, to just like take in nature, to train yourself, to be able to notice like the most simple details of life and take pleasure in that. That's part of the beauty of running wow. for me. So you're okay being alone with your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, and I think more of us need to do that these yeah. days. <laughs> That's part of the problem I have. Okay. I'm super I'm super happy being with myself. That's, it's I funny mean, because that, I'm but that was always. In other words, that's not a that's not something you worked on necessarily. It's not like you had to wean yourself off listening to other programs to keep yourself distracted. You were like always okay with just running and not doing anything else. Yeah, I'm like the most I'm an extremely extroverted person, but I'm also I could go hours alone weeks alone like wow. it's funny it combo <laughs> and, and, and let me ask you a question do you get a weird reaction from other runners when they see you dressed uh differently than everyone else i have literally never gotten any weird reactions you know sometimes people ask me about it but i've never felt uncomfortable i've never gotten a negative comment i've gotten positive feedback i remember when i was running in cape town like they were cheering for the lady in the skirt <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was very proud of myself. That's great. That's great. And um, I know uh, this is my 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 team gives me these notes. Um, I know you trained but didn't make it to the Tokyo Olympics. Um, tell us how you dealt with that and what and what's it like with the International Olympic Committee and Shabbos? Um, can they just make your race not on Shabbos? Do you plan for the next Olympics? I think in Paris. Tell us about that. Yeah, Tokyo was a big deal, but I had two issues when it came to Tokyo. Number one is that they moved the women's marathon in Tokyo to a Saturday. And I tried to petition several times, even before they rescheduled everything because it was canceled and then post it was postponed because of Corona. So I thought once they're rescheduling everything, why can't they just reschedule the women's marathon date? But they did not. So I knew that I had no chance of actually being able to participate in the competition. At the same time, I still wanted to qualify. Like I wanted to be an Olympian for Israel. So I trained and did everything I could to, I had to, before Corona, I hit, I was ranked number 76 in the world. And that meant I would have been able to make it like you had to be top 80. But then 
everyone had to requalify if you qualified through the ranking system and there were very few races and I had to wait like a year till I found a race and I also I also dealt with a minor injury anyways I wasn't I was actually in the best shape of my life when I came to run this race um and I really felt like it was I did everything I could everything went according to plan and in the last three mile, like I okay when I hit mile 23 so in the final three miles I hit a wall I basically hadn't really fueled myself enough, which is something that I struggled with. Like, I'm a very sensitive stomach. I actually have um, celiac disease and I didn't take in enough calories during my uh, marathon and I just bonked. And the last three miles were just like a slow death, but I still actually ran a new personal best. Like I ran a 231 and I was off by two minutes and I felt like it was an incredible, like learning experience. It was so powerful because I failed on the most public level. Like everyone knew I was going for this race. And I could have easily said like, oh, I didn't qualify for, I, I, I'm not trying for Tokyo because I can't run in Tokyo. But I didn't say that. I said, I wanted to do this time. I'm going for it. And you know what? I didn't make it. And the lesson that I shared was really this lesson that I spoke about in the beginning, just the idea that as religious Jew, as Jews, we understand we can only put in the maximum effort we can and the outcome is not in our hands and if you know that you did the best possible job you could on that day there's nothing more you can ask of yourself and failure is part of the process also and the obstacles are what make us stronger so i feel blessed to have gone through this opportunity and i almost feel like it was like a kindness in disguise because if i was gonna have to fail for some marathon then let it be for an Olympics that I can't even participate in, right? Like Tokyo was like a wash for me anyways. And it was also probably the worst Olympics there was because of all the Corona restrictions. Yeah. Yeah, but I love, I love the way you see failure, failing versus being a failure. That's such an important distinction. There is no, as you know, as a religious student, you know this, that there is no idea in Yahadut, in, in the Torah, of a, of a, that's <laughs> my kid sorry beautiful got a good set of lungs um of a of being a failure in other words it, we're gonna yom kippur's coming up in a couple of weeks we're gonna be going through the whole vidui right and the whole vidui the confessional which has aleph bet gimel ashamnu bagadu gazanu everything from a to z that you could possibly do wrong never in that list do we ever say that we are a sinner that's a different religion we sin we fail, but that doesn't make us, us sinners or failures. And I, I, it's just such an important distinction to see that when we, something happens in life, maybe me, I've had my own my own experiences also. All of us, I'm sure everybody listening to this has had that moment where they really wanted something and it didn't happen. And the question is, how do we bounce back? I, One second. Can you go out? Oh, Can Yes. Yeah. Just be quiet. I'm so sorry. That's okay. How old is he? He's six. He's six, Bliyayin Har. You should have a lot of nachas. Um, you okay? Yeah. I'm just so sorry for interrupting you. No, no, that's, okay. that's why we have editors, and that's, that's cool. Um, so I, I was just saying that there's a real, there's a chiluk, there's a distinction that the, the, the chazal, our sages, make between failing in life and seeing yourself as a failure. Um, you know, I, I'll give you a great line if you ever want to use this. It was from Thomas Edison. And he was once asked, 
uh, by a reporter, a young reporter had the nerve to ask him, how did it feel to fail when he was trying to invent the alkaline battery? And he said, I never failed once. I just found the 9,000 ways that don't work. <laughs> yes, I love that. <laughs> and, and by the way, your little, was it your son that just came in? Yeah. Um, so Rav Hutner, great Rosh Hashiva of Chaim Berlin said this, that something an adult can learn from a child. No matter how many times a baby falls down when it's starting to try to learn how to walk, it always, it always just keeps getting up. And you'd figure after, a, a, you know, it's cute. It's like looking like a little drunk person, you know, trying to learn how to walk. And you'd figure at some point this kid would learn, just stay down already. You keep falling. But somehow the child naturally intuits that in order to eventually walk, it has to fall. And, and I, I just, I love that. And I, I love hearing it from myself because I, I tend to be very hard on myself. Um, I come from that kind of family and I'm, you know, I, 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 it's just the process. It, it's, a, it's a necessary, failure is a necessary prerequisite for success. And as a runner, I just, I just, I think your, your whole life is, is living that lesson. So thank you for sharing that. Um, another question for you and um, uh, hang on one second. Um, okay, I want to ask you a question about preparation. I just wrote a book. It's called The 40 Day Challenge. And um, you know that we have 40 days to prepare for number four. Okay. And um, we begin with Rosh Chodesh Elul, and every single day I wrote a little chapter um, that people can read. I would love to read it. It sounds like an invaluable book for this it's time, especially. Very, very important. And it's a way to prepare. So tell us what you do to prepare for a race. Um, you, you have to train harder. I, I actually wrote about Tom Brady in the book because he took the family out before the Super Bowl for two weeks, even though <laughs> yeah, he's a crazy trainer and a crazy preparer. I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Yeah, he wakes up in the middle of the night and runs. This is after he already won six Super Bowls. And he um, he sends, like, in the middle of the night, he sends these, like, you know, videos of the different plays to his teammates. And even though the last Super Bowl he played was in Tampa Bay, where he lived, his family left for two weeks because they're like, he's a, you know, are you like that before your races? Or do you try to keep it chill? Well, I think the idea of preparation is really important. Like the whole thing that I learned from the first marathon is that anyone can run a marathon as long as they do the training. The whole idea of a marathon is that if you put in the work, you become capable of it. And that's the idea really of, of what we do before Rosh Hashanah. We put in the work, we prepare for it, we become changed people so that on that day, we can proudly stand before us before God and say, yes, we deserve another year because like we're showing up here as our best selves. You can't do that. You can't come to Rosh Hashanah if you haven't prepared for it. But I, I in terms of like uh, going crazy with my family, like my family's part of my life. And mm -hmm. I always say I prioritize my family above all. So I'm not kicking my family out for two weeks before a marathon. If I get lucky and get, I get lucky and I get like one quiet Shabbat, the races are usually on Sunday. So I get like a quiet Shabbat to myself. That's huge. That's all the preparation I need. I spend the whole day relaxing, um, resting as much as possible, and I'm ready. Do the kids come? Do they come to cheer you on? 
if the marathon is in Israel, my kids have come. But if it's not in Israel, then no, they haven't come. Right, right. Wow. I was actually blocking the pajama drawer, so my daughter just like went <laughs> secretly grabbed a Fine, I love it. Uh, were you surprised to get a sponsorship from Adidas? That's pretty cool. Yeah, so I will just unpack the sponsorship and say that it's only a gear sponsorship, and I didn't actually commit to the gear sponsorship because just like I wasn't a hundred percent like I wasn't sure it was worth it for me in terms of like if i'm only getting gear and some of the adidas shoes were like not working perfectly for me so i haven't the only thing i did with them thus far is the campaign which i which was really cool and really what was most surprising to me was how supportive they were in terms of me being like a religious runner that they wanted to highlight that and i thought that was really cool because they're just like an, a regular sports company and they not most most you know running companies like they don't necessarily see the value and being a religious Jew and being proud of it but they chose to highlight that part of me so i, I thought that was really cool i think that's amazing um did they also highlight the israel part has it ever been an issue uh you know representing israel just in terms of bds and, and so on and so forth well it was adidas israel that i was working with and um so i think that you know like it was it was a big source of pride for a lot of you know people in israel just to see me on a billboard and in tel aviv and for many religious women like like one of the things i i said before representation makes a difference if if we want more women to pursue careers in sport they have to see women actually succeeding in sport so we need to have more you know females being represented in in sport that's amazing I'm not going to keep you so much longer, but I am curious about the Israel thing. You know, just uh, actually just saw an ad. Um, it was it was on like on my Facebook feed about, about Bon Jovi going to perform in Israel, and he was getting pressure not to perform in Israel. And he's like, "I'm going," and I was so happy. Same thing happened with Paul McCartney. There were groups trying to pressure him years ago. I'm a huge Paul McCartney fan. The Beatles. <laughs> I think my husband also is. Is he really? Well, who's his yeah. favorite? He's just a big classic rock guy. I don't know oh. a thing about music. I thought it was weird when we were dating that he was so into music, but yeah, he likes the Beatles. <laughs> we have we have a daughter named Lucy, and he we play Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And we have a daughter named Geula, and like her English name is Julia, so we play the Julia song. <laughs> oh my God, Julia! By the way, those are both John Lennon songs. I'm sure your husband knows this. Lucy was Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds because son julian came home from school and painted something and said oh that's my friend lucy that's diamonds and he put the whole everyone thought it was lsd but it was actually just Lucy. <laughs> and the other yeah. song, julia you know julia was his mother was john's mother oh i'm not i'm not such an expert but yeah. mammoth is having a mammoth on the rocks like weekend this this last this night this weekend so maybe i'll listen to some classic rock that's incredible. Well, I don't, I don't want to keep you any longer. I but, I but I wanted to find out one last thing just about Israel. Have you been blocked because you're from Israel? Has that been an issue? Do you, do you find there's like BDS forces keeping athletes from competing internationally? No, thank God. No, I have not. And I mean, when you're on social media, you'll always get a million like you'll get messages from Palestinian, pro-Palestinian people and whatever. You have to just tune it out. Um, but for the most part, I've never had any issue racing at all. 
Um, everyone's been really supportive of me coming from Israel. I've being in the States, I've got really positive feedback from people. Um, I would say just that Israeli athletes, when they go to any competition abroad, we have to have really high levels of security. We're not allowed to go anywhere by ourselves. Like I was part of an Israeli delegation for the European Championships, and like they have a whole security meeting. And just for people to understand, like as Israelis, we can never really, we always have to be cautious because we're always in a potential position of being, you know, attacked, unfortunately. And that's just the reality that we live with. And I think Israelis are very used to it. Like we're, like it, it doesn't, it doesn't phase us. Like we're, we're, we're tough and we don't take life for granted and we're not going to stop living our life and doing our best things just because there are people out there that, you know, ha are, that are enemies. Like we're going to keep showing up. <laughs> well, I, first of all, I, you are just, I was going to say a walking Kiddush Hashem, but you are running Kiddush Hashem. Uh, there's been so much negative, you know, I'm in the business of, I wouldn't say selling Judaism, but presenting Judaism in a positive light so that young Jewish people in the United States, specifically New York area, tri-state area, will be interested in pursuing their Jewish heritage and learning more about it. And, you know, there's just been a, just all this negative stuff, you know, the, the, the big show on Netflix, My Unorthodox Life, that, that came out, that was like a big, and, and, and it caused a lot of response. You know, so then we, you know, a, a lot of people got, but it's just, you're just a breath of fresh air of positivity and showing how important it is to live a wholesome life as a religious Jew and how being athletic and healthy is so part of, of cultivating the soul. I, I just, I really just want to thank you, not simply for being on here, but for living the life that you are. You, you don't wear, you know, I was going to say, you know, you're not trying to prove anything by by running in a skirt. That's just who you are. You're not wearing it on your sleeve. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you are wearing it on your sleeve, technically. And I think that's also, I, I have to say, um, that's probably one of the most challenging areas of my work in terms of inspiring men and women uh, to become more tsanua, to live more modest lives in general. It's seen, unfortunately, when... When a woman is covering up, for some reason in the West, it gets associated with fundamentalism. It gets associated with oppression, with misogyny, with women not being able to choose their own destiny and really express themselves. I mean, I was really winding down here, but I'm just wondering is, how would you respond to that as someone who's, you know, out there and, and, and at the same time, you know, holding up the, the Jewish traditions on modesty, how would you respond to a person who, who, who you know, who views, um, who views more modestly clad women in that kind of way? I would say that modesty is the most internal expression of who we are. And modesty is a character trait overall. It can't just be attributed to our clothing. The clothing is only one facet of it. And Every mitzvah, every commandment that we have is a deeply personal thing that expresses our relationship with God. So you, to take on any mitzvah, you have to fully connect to it. You have to discover your, your meaning for it. And for me, modesty has become an expression of 
the understanding that ultimately everything in my life is not from me. It's all a gift from God. I want to internalize and embody that character trait of humility in everything that I do. I just want to be a reflection of of godliness, of the spark of divinity that's within me. So if I'm dre- if I'm choosing to dress modestly, that's what I'm connecting to. Does that mean that I understand why I'm dressing modestly all the time and why I need to be wearing modest clothes when I'm performing in sport where that's just the function, the, like you just choose the best performing clothing. It's not in an attempt to show off my body. I don't fully understand it, but I choose to connect to, again, as an athlete, I want that character trait of humility in my life because being an athlete, it's so easy to get caught up in that. I thought of like, oh, I worked so hard and that's why I was successful. And no, that's not the case. At least that's how I understand it. And I think that modesty is some like the beauty of every mitzvah in our life is like, there's more and more depth as you keep it. It's not, that's like the difference between spiritual pleasure and physical pleasure is that the more you tap into it, the more you can get out of it. So you might not fully appreciate or understand it at the beginning at surface value. And it's something that can sink in and be absorbed and like refine you over time in life. And you just need to be open to it. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Bidi, thank you so much. You just need to be open to it. And I love what you just said about the difference between physical and spiritual pleasure. Um, a lot of people use the economic terminology of diminishing point of returns. Like it, Literally. It's, yeah, it's true. At some point you just eat and eat. It just stops being pleasurable. It, it, but, but mitzvot and spirituality just get deeper and deeper as we continue on with them. I would even say that I heard that concept like a long time ago and I didn't even necessarily fully appreciate it and it took me time but like i'm someone who keeps shabbos my entire life but i could say that the depth of appreciation i have for shabbos now is far greater than i had as a child and that's the beauty of if you're constantly growing and there's always more you can learn another nuance and and this time of year is such a beautiful opportunity to open yourself up to something new that you didn't know before in some small area of your life 100 percent well, I wish you and your family a uh, should be a blessed, sweet, happy, healthy year for you guys. And Hashem should continue to bless you with great success in your running and even more importantly, in your spiritual growth and how you use running and athleticism towards your relationship with Hashem. It's a tremendous, tremendous model. Um, besides the modesty and everything else we were talking about, just the whole approach you have to physicality and spirituality. I thank you so much for coming on the um, Wildcast. Anytime you're in New York City, you want to inspire some Jews, come around to them. <laughs> do you get to do whatever? I do. I do. I do a speaking tour. Is that what you asked? Or? I don't know. I mean, I don't. Have you rat? You don't. Have you ever run like in New York marathons or anything like that? Not. No, not yet. But it's on my bucket list. One day, I'll definitely be in New York. I'll definitely yeah. come to MJ, God willing. And thank you so much for having me here. And Shana Tova to you and your family, to all of the MJA community, and just keep up your amazing work. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Wilds Cast. Subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. If you haven't already, please leave us a review in the Apple Podcast Store. It only takes a minute, and when you do it, it helps others discover the show. Music from today's episode comes courtesy of Yosef Wiles.
For more information about the Manhattan Jewish Experience, please visit our website at jewishexperience.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for joining us.